Welcome back to Freelance Creative Exchange, a podcast for creative freelancers in Asia. My name is Raven and I'm the producer for the show. Last year, we ran the first ever Asia Podcast Festival and Awards, a platform we created to recognize and honor the members of the Asia podcasting community. We are very excited to announce that the Asia Podcast Festival and Awards will be back this year. Follow Asia Podcast Festival on Instagram and Facebook or subscribe to our newsletter for more updates. In the meantime, please check out our new mini-series where we feature past winners from the Asia Podcast Awards. So today, we are very excited to speak to Guru Vas, the producer behind two award-winning podcasts, Mission ISRO and 377, the legal battle against India's anti-LGBTQ law. Mission ISRO is the winner of Best in Science, Technology and Business podcast and 377 is the winner for the Best Art Society and Culture podcast. So welcome to the show, Garuv. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It's been a while. So today we will want to catch up with what you have been up to since the award show and maybe find out a bit about the process from you, the process of making award winning documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> what is your yeah. secret to their success? And I noticed that you have a very interesting background first in IT and then music. In fact, you were a bass guitarist for a contemporary folk band in India for over 10 years. So why did yeah. you decide to pursue music full-time? And how does uh, music inform what you're doing creatively right now? The switch to music was completely by accident. It wasn't a planned uh, journey as well at all. My mother actually wanted me to, me and my brother, both of us, to learn how to play the guitar or any instrument, actually. And she'd take us from guitar class to guitar class uh, when we were little kids. Uh, so that we learned how to play the instrument. She wanted to be a musician, but she never got the opportunity. So she said, you know, let let me at least get my sons to learn how to play music. And then surprisingly to her, but uh, <laughs> not surprising to the rest of us, both my brother and I became musicians. And then she was completely shocked, like most Asian moms are. They can't believe that their sons are doing a career in music. So it was completely by accident. I I, I went on. I was I was reasonably good at my uh, grades, so I did my computer science engineering. And uh, music was always a hobby on the side. I was most happy doing that. But I met Raghu, whose band I joined uh, at a coffee shop sometime in 2006. That's about 15 years, 16 years ago now when uh, he was putting together a new lineup for his band and I was one of the options to play guitar for his band. And that's how it started. But since then, I played over a thousand shows with him uh, all over the world in 30 plus countries. So what makes you take the leap to become a musician, right? Because it's a huge leap. You're having a very comfortable <laughs> IT career. Yeah. Pays quite well, very lucrative career. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was me thinking, calculating and saying, okay, you know what, this is a good career move or anything like that. It was just me saying, what are the odds that I will ever get to do this again in my life? I guess it was foolishness, one part, but also uh, confidence to say, I can always come back and find another IT job if, if this doesn't work. But you can't always go and join a rock band. That's, <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not so easy to do. So when that chance comes about, I felt like I should have jumped and taken it. And that's what I did. Yeah. It's like YOLO, right? You only live yeah. once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you only get to be a rock star once. It was pretty crazy. I mean, the band when we started was very small, uh, re really well known in our home city, but not beyond that. And from there, we went on to be number one on the iTunes world music charts in the UK. We performed at the Sydney Opera House, uh, at Glastonbury Music Festival, some of the biggest uh, music festivals in the world. Uh, we've played in Singapore many times. Uh, we've played at Kala Utsavam by the Esplanade in Singapore multiple years. So, uh, yeah, we, we got the chance to travel the world and play music. And I guess that's a chance not many people get to do. So that was really exciting for me. 
even when you're working in music, you're also still very active at IT. You were like creating a lot of different companies. You were like a serial entrepreneur of sorts <laughs> as well, creating so many uh, new projects, uh, launching new platforms and companies. And But finally, I saw that you uh, started your own media company. Why the switch from music to media? In that sense. Well, even even when I was uh, in the band, I wouldn't consider myself to be a musician. I was more, I was interested in music and I was proficient enough to be, to deserve a place in the band. But uh, I wasn't the best bass guitarist uh, that band could have had by a mile, right? I mean, there were far better bass players than me who could have joined the band. So my interest was more in the music business, in artist management, in 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 the business of music more than the performance of music. I, I mean, I actually loved the performance of music. The recorded, the recording composition side of music was not really my strength or my interest. So I would not really spend much time in the studio sitting with the composers and recording. And that, that was not really my jam. I was spending more time going and meeting clients, talking to people, uh, meeting brands, talking to event managers, festival bookers. That was what I did. So even while I was with the band, I was the artist manager as well as the bass guitarist for the band. And and in terms of cost effectiveness, that saves one person travel. (laughs) So, which is a big deal if you're an independent band and, uh, uh, for me, it was it was two sources of income from the same band, which was great. Uh, and like you said, I'd given up my IT job to do this, so this in in a way it helped me compensate in some some way with what I'm what I was missing through the IT job. Uh, but but then from there, I realized that you know even when you're in a band and and we were a busy band, we would play like between 80 to 100 concerts a year. And if you think about that, like in a 350 day year, if you're playing 100 concerts, that's once every three and a half days, which means twice a week you're performing somewhere. But then, you know, I I always tell people, if you think about it, that's still 100 days of the year. There's still 200 days that are free. So, and if you're not in the studio like me, I wasn't in the studio sitting and composing, 200 days were free. So that was enough time for me to, dabble with many other things whatever money i could save i realized that you know by not being in my it career i might be missing out on a lot of stock options and equity that would come with many companies that if you join like at a startup level that you, you could really grow that so uh, and and i was missing out on that so i said let me go become an angel investor and find a way to invest in really small companies and instead of me getting equity for my work, can I invest in companies? And that's how my angel investing career started. So so I've invested in over 10 or 12 companies now. Some of them have done really well. Some of them folded and <laughs> closed like, like with everything else with angel investing. You win some, you lose some. So it gave me a really good insight into what various types of entrepreneurs are like how different business models work, how different businesses work. In 2019, a bunch of friends, a common friend of mine and all my co-founders introduced the four of us and said, hey, all the four of you are trying to do similar things. Why don't you talk to each other and see if there is a business here that you can start? And that's how we started All Things Small, the company in 2019. And, you know, we were all exuberant and enthusiastic in October of 2019. And... Five months later, started the pandemic. <laughs> so in year one of our operations, we started, we headed into the pandemic and we had to drastically change everything that we had planned. Well, you said that the pandemic uh, changes the way you, your original plans. What does that entail? So are you, were you thinking of like doing like physical productions and then you had to pivot to other types of production? Yeah, so so when we started All Things Small, audio was never a plan. So we never planned, we never thought we would do audio at all. And we didn't even know that India had, I mean, India still has a very, very small podcast market. But you guys have a very big radio market, right? We have a very big radio market, but but that radio market is top 40s Bollywood hits, mainly predominantly Bollywood and movie hits. So 99% of our radio is Bollywood hits. 1% of our radio is top 40 English hits. Very little else plays on radio in India. So uh, other than state-run radio, which has 
things, but that there's no money in state-run radio. So we never had audio in our plans at all. And all along, we wanted to make films and we wanted to make documentaries and TV shows and things like that. But the minute the pandemic happened, all physical production had to stop. And we didn't know when this would end at that time. And we had no idea how we would go about any of our plans. So so the original plan that we had at ATS, which now is what we are actually putting into place, is that we have a long-form journalism magazine called 52.in. So if you go to 52.in, you'll see that every week we write one 5,000-word essay about India, about a completely unknown story from India. And our plan was to take all of those stories and then adapt them and make them TV shows and make them documentaries and make them films. And that's how we'd make money. So the site, if you still go today, the site has no advertising. It has no subscription. It is entirely free for people to read. But we were hoping that adapting those stories into other formats of media will make us money. And that's what we started. That was the intention with which we started. But since physical production had to stop, audio was an obvious pivot that we could do. And at that time, someone introduced us to Spotify in India. And they said, Spotify is looking to, you know, at one end, Spotify was just trying to go and acquire existing podcasts and say, hey, you have a podcast. Why don't you also syndicate it to Spotify? You know, publish it through Anchor or whatever it is, and then it'll play on Spotify. You'll get a new audience. Uh, but then at the same time, they were commissioning production houses and agencies like ours to create original podcasts. And that's when my co-founder, Sidin, uh, who is now no longer with ATS, but at that time, Sidin and I put together a very quick pilot episode of a podcast. And we recorded it in our bedrooms. And I got a friend of mine who's an audio producer to quickly produce it and uh, sent it off to Spotify saying, you know, most podcasts at that time that were being pitched to Spotify were this sort of a format where it's two people interviewing and talking to each other. But I was very clear in my mind that I wanted to stand out and I wanted to be true to what all things small originally set out to do, which is take unknown stories and make audio and video productions out of it. So I always wanted to make narrative storytelling based documentary style, you know, with great production, with music and sound effects and score with really nicely written scripts and hosts and things like that. That was always my dream. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm eternally influenced by podcasts like This American Life and Radio Lab and 99% Invisible, Serial, so many podcasts that I listen to. Yes, I understand that India was also one of the top, I guess, podcast listening countries in the world as well. I mean, India has a really large population. So even if a small percentage of India's population listens to something, it becomes biggest in the world. It's it's really easy. I mean, if you think about it, India is the second largest English speaking country in the world, which makes no sense because, you know, most of India does not speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Because I understand that Mission ISRO is commissioned by Spotify, right? How did that came about? So it was the same thing. When when Spotify, when we started meeting and talking to Spotify about all the ideas that we want to produce, the first uh, show that they commissioned was a show called Special Mission. It's it's quite funny that many of our shows have mission in them. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. I think so we is were that on... your formula for success? Having a mission yeah. in your I name? Think <laughs> we, we were on a mission to get this work. So that's why we started putting mission in all of our titles, I think. I, so we started with Special Mission. And Special Mission is this untold stories of the Indian Armed Forces, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. Uh, and this, again, was... This whole thing has been, like, a really interesting series of coincidences or or divine intervention, as they say, because someone introduced... Not someone, our, our investors introduced uh, us to uh, this lady who had been curating stories. She's a Navy wife. Her husband is in the Indian Navy. So she's been curating stories of you know, that are in a Navy party or an army party when everyone's gathered uh, around drinks. What do they talk about? What are these stories that are normally told, right? And typically, when you think about uh, the army, you always think about a soldier with a gun and war and blood and, you know, 
and and we didn't want that picture of the army we wanted to say hey you know at the end of the day the people in the army are humans as well they have lives like us they have families like us they are they are scared you know you can't be a 20 year old or 19 year old with a gun sitting at the border trying to defend your country and not feel scared at some point so we wanted to tell the stories of you know what are their personal stories what is folklore in the armed forces so so that's what got spotify so they were really interested in this and that's that's the first podcast we made and it's still really special to me it's on spotify still to listen to it it's in hindi though which is the indian national language one of india's national languages and yeah we loved that experience the and, and then we started pitching other shows so we pitched another show which is a civics explainer which explains what does the indian president do uh, what happens to the taxes that you collect that the government collects from you those kind of uh, questions started getting answered we've done 75 episodes of that podcast and it's still oh, ongoing okay. now 3 years later uh, we're in season 4 right now and we just started publishing the season 4 episodes in fact last week and uh, the third idea that we pitched was the story of the indian space mission which is you know india was india became independent in 1947 which if you think about it is 75 years back so we were a devastated the british left us with very little and i mean most of southeast asia the british left with very little uh and and they properly like all all of india spices and wealth and all of that were taken away so this country which is in poverty and has no food has to figure out what the rules are write a constitution decided to make rockets and built a space mission and you know and everyone was like shouldn't you try feeding your people first why are you making rockets was the complaints that they heard and against all of those odds these guys went and built an exciting space mission and india study a nuclear power which is crazy if you think about it we wanted to tell that story and uh, spotify agreed and we managed to get uh, harsha bogle who's one of the most well recognized voices in indian uh, sports commentary so so and he was coincidentally again looking for something interesting to do other than sports because his day job pretty much is sports all day all night he's he's repeatedly asked to comment about sports and cricket and cricket and cricket so he was like someone come to me and make me narrate something science or history or something like that and we're like okay we have the perfect thing for you so so he came on board and yeah that's how mission isro happened also in india a lot of us didn't know about the history of india its contribution to space and yeah. how it became a nuclear power so it's a very intriguing story to us do you want to share a bit more about the production process so we have uh, we have reasonably tight team so archana who's the who now works full time for uh, all things small when we started archana was writing the civics podcast that i spoke about and she's she's a journalist i mean she was a journalist she still considers herself to be a journalist and she is a really good researcher and writer and she jumped in and said she can undertake this so so the problem with india is we're not very good at documenting our history and protecting and preserving our cultural monuments and history is not something we do very well so, so Does that mean that the the records are not there? Like they are not. There are no it's records. Not very well. Oh, okay. There are no records. So so for example, NASA has a space museum where every single launch is documented, and you can get audio recordings of the launch sequence and what was being spoken yeah, and the. You get the photos. The footage, you get photos. Yeah. You get the uniforms. I visit the museum many yeah, years ago. So, so I, India does not have has any of that. Everything. Oh, okay. India has nothing and so so we had to put together the story by reading autobiographies biographies of some of these people we did extensive research interviews with the scientists and if you so ask me so how do you me, verify information like that's a challenge right when you have no documentation right as a journalist how do you verify if information is correct or well, we were talking to the scientists who did the work so we would just take their word for it that was easy in that sense so uh, we've spoken to space historians for example who are well known space historians so 
we would take their word for it and then we we had no reason to doubt that they would exaggerate or make 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 up claims in fact after that there have been uh, indian space related shows that came under criticism uh and movies that talk about various aspects of isro that came under severe criticism because they fictionalized many of the incidents but we stayed completely true to the story and we spoke to and in fact some of the scientists who have have since passed away you know they were in their late 80s and 90s when they spoke to us for the podcast and that's the last interview they've ever given oh wow, that was really amazing yeah it, it's you guys it's you're archiving you've become historians it's crazy right? if, yeah and today if you ask if you ask me what is the best place to learn about the indian space mission this podcast is the best place to do it because there's there's no other single place where india's space journey has been documented which for me is pretty insane to think about having this now you can you know share the story with the younger generation of indians and hopefully inspire them to you know, to to a career in space and also share with the rest of the world because otherwise like nobody knows right i mean that that'll be if any of that happens we would have overachieved uh, honestly if if people just listen to this and go back thinking wow india has so much potential that will be a mission accomplished for us so I, like i i mean if we inspire younger generation to actually go out and do some of this that will be far beyond what we think a podcast deserves credit for those younger generation kids deserve credit for everything that they do <laughs> all we can do is document i presume that this podcast is released through spotify right so what yeah, is the response and listenership like so spotify doesn't share uh exact listenership numbers with us they prefer to keep it uh to themselves and they have their reasons for it and they'd like to uh use that knowledge and information to better market other shows cross sell shows and promote other uh properties that they have uh and they're not a public platform like youtube is so, so the views are not publicly counted and the likes and dislikes are not publicly counted so i i can't i can't comment on the actual numbers but like if you put a search on twitter for mission isro for example people still talk about it and we stopped publishing 6 months ago but people are still talking about the podcast new people are discovering the podcast every week right and recently like i told you when when this tv show came out about uh isro and the indian space mission a lot of people went back and listened to the podcast again and and wrote to us and tweeted about it and said hey i watched this show but i really want to listen to this podcast once more because i i remember how much i liked it well that's amazing you guys are like a cultural phenomenon so i know that you don't have the stats but do you know from that Twitter response can you make a guess on the age group and the gender or are they mainly uh, from India or do you guys are like you know have international uh, listeners as well We have an international listener base but it's Indians in the world I don't think non Indians are necessarily sitting and listening to the content that we've so far created we are aspiring to create content that others listen to as well but right now the podcast that we've made including mission isro i think it's predominantly indians but indians around the world so i've had anecdotal stories of you know parents because mission isro would release every sunday sunday morning and then season 2 i think we changed it to mondays but i know that kids and parents would sit together and listen to this or go on long drives and listen to it in their cars and and this was one of those shows where there's no profanity there's nothing objectionable that nothing restricted you know and it's about science and history uh which like parents wanted their children to listen to so we've had like 7 year olds listen to it and we've had scientists who were in their 80s listen to it so i i don't know if there was a core demographic uh honestly it was it was just such a wide varied audience that listen to it and did i think it's amazing what uh, you have achieved it's not easy to create content for a wide range of age group it's really hard to appeal like, to have that kind of mass appeal especially for a very niche 
topic like science yeah. and technology. With that, I want to move on to the three seven seven. I understand that this is a independent production by you guys. That's right. Yeah. So, do you want to share with us the difference in the process as well? I guess I have a personal interest in it because. Singapore is also under the British colonial rule. Correct.、Uh, yeah, and we and talk we have, about it in the show. Yeah, we inherit with the legal system, and yeah, until today we have like a version. We call it the three seven seven A. Three seven seven was pitched to me by Senduri, who's the narrator of the show as well as the researcher and writer.、Uh, she pitched it to me as a potential idea for a podcast, and I loved. I love the fact that we could actually go out and do it because, again, just like Ayazaro, the history of this movement, and it's not just the LGBTQ movement in India, right? It's the history of the HIV/AIDS movement, which then merged with the LGBTQ movement, and their entire struggle was just not documented in a single place. Again, it's multiple newspaper articles. There are some documentaries. There's some videos and different people have filed petitions and written about it, but there's no single like you can you can't go read something singular that you can、uh, get the the whole picture from. Like I mean, you you guys are facing this in Singapore right now. But when I first heard the story of why this judgment was overturned, it it made me really angry, and I was like, I want everyone to feel this anger. I want them to feel enraged that this is how arbitrary the decision was. So, so if you if you listen to the podcast, you there is a point where, you know, the judge supposedly not supposedly it actually happened. So the judge asks in the courtroom, saying, "I'm not gay," and he asks the lawyer, "Are you gay?" And he says, "No." He asks the other lawyer, saying, "Are you gay?" And he says, "No." And he says, "Is anyone in this courtroom gay?" And nobody puts their hand up. He says, "Okay, this is not a this is not a issue that affects many people. So let's not talk about it." And yeah, that's it. Made <laughs> that's me so、shocking. angry to listen to this. And I was like, you know, we just need to tell people that this is how stupid and arbitrary the decision making process was. And it it I till today when I tell people this, I can't I can't believe I'm saying this. It's it's so shocking that a judge can just say, "Hey, there are 15 people in this room are not gay, so therefore nobody is gay." That makes no sense. So we we were like, this has to be said, and、uh, we tried really hard. We tried really hard to、uh, pitch this through to platforms who didn't really want it、uh, for whatever various reasons. Controversial, right? I mean, and also, I mean, with the platforms, they're looking for large eyeballs, right? Their intention is to get as many people listening on their platform as opposed to being activists or makers of creators of change. Uh, that's that's up to us. <laughs> They just want people listening to content,、uh, and and we couldn't get big names attached to it or any celebrity names or voices attached to it. So、uh, all we had we could do was produce what I think is a really compelling podcast. And beyond that, like we tied up with some really big publications, who then went into the market. We almost found a sponsor who's interested. To、uh, do do something, but eventually none of those plans worked out. And then I said, okay, you know what? We released it on the anniversary of the three seven seven overturn judgment. How long does it take for you to put together the story? Is it also affected by the pandemic as well? Yeah. So with with different shows, it's different because with three seven seven again with with all the shows that we are doing, there is no easy. One place we can go and get all the information and audio clips and archival footage or anything like that.、Uh, we have to piece together all of this from multiple, multiple conversations, and one conversation leads to another person, and then that conversation leads to a third person, and so we have to follow all these threads, and at some point decide, okay, we have enough to. Now start telling the story. So that process takes, like in three seven seven's case, it took us almost, I think, sixteen months to just research、uh, and interview and transcribe interviews and write multiple versions of the scripts before we set into the studio and do the first recording. Do you have people who who don't dare to speak? Or is everybody like whom you approach very enthusiastic about sharing their stories? No, no, no. Yeah, there's. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Mission ISR so also... Like a, when, is there still a sense of fear? I don't know if it's fear of the content or itself. self-censorship? Yeah, there, there is heavy self-censorship in, self-censorship in India. You know, also platforms of... Because platforms have come under scrutiny and have had to face a lot of problems with... Just, I mean, anyone can file defamation and criminal proceeding cases against you so it's not advisable as well as i mean very very few platforms want to take go through the trouble of having content stripped down and pay for it and then have to you know not air it and and then go through that whole process so there is self-censorship in that sense but when we started nobody knew us right so i mean and these are like with in the case of 377 these were some of the biggest lawyers in the country. Yeah. And activists. I'm very curious how do you convince them to record themselves saying that, especially lawyers. Like, yeah. I've, worked with, I've tried to work with lawyers and they're hard to work with, let alone get them to speak, to go on, you know, to go on record, right? So how do yeah. you convince all these people? How do you buy, how do you buy that, their trust? Build I mean, trust? I, I just have to give credit to Sinduri in the case of 377 and Archana in the case of uh, Mission ISRO, who persisted and followed even the smallest lead, wrote, messaged, called repeatedly to try and get an interview. And then I think the interesting thing or the lesson that we learned was when you go and do that first interview, and even if it's just a 15-minute call to let me tell you what we're trying to do, and then you decide whether you want to be a part of it. At that time, if you know, if you can tell that, you know, you've done some research, you're not asking them silly, stupid questions, you know, and you're being true to what you're saying. You're, you're not trying to lead them into saying something. So, for example, in Mission ISRO in uh, season two, we talk about this guy who has been accused of spying on India. And his uh, case is still being fought. Even though recently they acquitted him, there are still some criminal proceedings against him. And this is the country that accused him of spying on the country. That's a and, very serious charge. Yeah, and, and he spoke to us. And, uh, you know, he just refused for about six months. He said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. And he kept, Archana kept persisting. But then we were true to what he asked us. And, and we did not use any of the clips of him. He, in fact, refused to talk about the case. Mm. All he spoke about was yeah. his scientific contribution in ISRO. That he spoke hours with us about but about the case he did not so what we did in the podcast was we took a public domain a book that is in the public domain which is about his case that he has he has been involved in writing and we read out sections of it as his bits and wherever we were talking about his scientific contribution we used his real voice so so we'd have to do various things like that it's also very important to get a balanced perspective. So from what I'm hearing is that you guys spent a long, a long time on the pre-production process, right? But how about yeah. the actual production, the recording and the post? Is it over in a couple of months or do you also go through a very lengthy production and post-production, especially during the pandemic? Well, with the ISRO, Harsha Bogle is incredible. He, I mean... Uh, I, I can't take anything away from him. He he does this like I mean he's professionally a voice artist in that sense because he's a commentator day in and day out. So he would go into the studio and nail four four episodes in one sitting. He would just knock it out four episodes in one sitting. And if it's a thirty minute episode, including all his retakes and breaks and everything, we'd get like thirty three minutes of audio which means there's literally nothing to clean, nothing to cut. It's just... Wow. Yeah, 30 minutes episode, 33, 34 minutes of audio. And uh, cleaning up his voice was really quick. But adding the music, doing the multiple edits and doing the multiple feedback rounds where as like, you know, this moment people need... Like, and me and Madhav, Madhav's the sound engineer, we'd have endless debates and calls where we'd go, you know, I like, I want people to have goosebumps. I don't know what you do in audio, but I want them to have goosebumps at this point. I want people to cry at this point. And like, that was the kind of feedback I'd give him. So, <laughs> so, so, so to be, to his credit, he managed to, you know, bear with all of it and, and put, 
put what we did out. So how long does it take to, I guess the whole process, right? Recording to editing, hitting the publish button. How long is it? Like one week, one month? Yeah, we've we've done. <laughs> if if we do it, if we pre-produce it really well. So Mission Isaro, for example, the title track was made even before we wrote the first script because I was completely independent. I told Raghu, Raghu, in fact, my previous bandmate, he made the track. And, it's really uh, convenient. <laughs> very convenient. <laughs> I called him and I said, hey, I want this track. I want it to sound like this and I want this mood. And he's like, yeah, give me two weeks. I have some time in the studio and I'll send you something. And the first thing he sent, I was like, yep, this is it. This is the title track. And so, so sometimes it just works like that. And then, so because it was published through Spotify, they had a deadline as well. And they're like, we want to release it on this date. And in fact, Spotify wanted to release it on Independence Day for India, which is August 15th. So uh, we're like, I don't care how you guys do it, but August 15th, we go live. So we didn't have a choice on how much time we get. <laughs> but I guess it also makes sense, right? To release this on the Independence Day. I mean, Yeah, yeah. It, in, in hindsight, that was amazing. Because, I mean, on Independence Day, what do you do? You want to watch or listen to something that's about the country and makes you yes. feel proud. So in comparison, right, because 377 is your own independent production, right? And that means your schedules are a bit looser, I would imagine, or at least like, you know, you have more flexibility. So how long does it take in comparison? Yeah, like one you don't want to versus... know. That, that took much, <laughs> much longer. <laughs> Three months. <laughs> yeah, that the podcast took over a year to make. <laughs> And, okay. and between recording to publish, I think it took us about seven months because also it was Madhav who was doing both 377 and Mission Isaro at the same time. This one had a deadline, the other one didn't have a <laughs> deadline. So I was like, okay. <laughs> You know which one goes on track. Yeah, which is prioritized, right? <laughs> Money is the priority. But for the release of uh three seven seven, right? Being an independent production, right? What other challenges do you face? Do you have like a when you launch the show? Do you have like a marketing strategy? Because I remember you mentioned late just now you were tying up with some publications, right? Be, but beside that, do you have your other like you know whole own marketing and promotion strategy for pushing an independent? Series? We tried We tried it. We tried doing that. Uh, I don't think we were very successful at all. I don't think 377 is heard by uh, even a tenth of the audience that should actually listen to it. Forget could, but I think it still deserves a much bigger audience than we eventually got for it. Uh, but Are you able to share the numbers for 377? From what I remember, it was under 100,000 listens at that time when I checked. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't too big at all. I think if it's for any other country in the world, you're like 100,000, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying cumulatively. I don't think this was, uh, I'm not talking per episode or anything, but cumulatively, it, it wasn't heard by a lot of people. And yeah, you're right. In India, in India, if you get 100,000, you'll be like, yeah, okay, that's nice. That's cute. We have big hills to climb because also, you know, I mean, because of the number of people and the number of people who are putting out content on a daily basis, you know, there's a misconception that podcasters have, which is that my podcast is competing with another podcast for listenership. And that's not true, right? My podcast is competing with your time in a bar drinking, your your time in a movie theater watching a movie. Your My podcast is competing with the latest Netflix release. My podcast is also competing with you know, your exams with your deadlines at work. Because honestly, you have 24 hours in a day and you can spend that time listening or watching anything you want. So it's not like you have, oh, this is my podcast hour. I'm only going to listen to podcasts in this time. That's not how people plan their lives. So, so the competition isn't really with other podcasts. It's just, are you making something that people want to listen to? And if you are, then people will find the time to listen to it. Truer words have never been said. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth of the actual competition. It's not an, another podcast, it's about what other people do with their time. There's so many things trying to get people's attention these days. And that's how we, we planned our career with the band as well. It's like, you know, there's a common thing. when you're Whenever you're in an industry, you try and compete with other people in that industry. But if you actually sit and think about it, that's not really the competition. It's like my band is playing here today. 
and it's you want to go eat a quiet romantic dinner that's what i'm competing with it's like will you change that plan to come watch my band <laughs> or will you change that plan to listen to my documentary podcast i don't know maybe you will maybe you won't <laughs> After releasing three seven seven, you know it's going to be a niche kind of podcast. Yeah. It's not going to hit Spotify top hundred in India. But what has the reception been like from the small group of listeners who have been listening to it? They've loved it. You know, the problem with countries like even Singapore and us is because this topic LGBTQ is such a hush hush topic. The kind of content that's made for that community, or not even for that community, but about that community. Is so slapstick sometimes, and it's so cliche sometimes, and it's over the top, right? If you take our popular movies and popular shows, LGBTQ characters are just over the top. They just have to dress in the most crazy Flamboyant. colors. Yeah, they yeah. just have like there's no other way for them to be, which is really strange because you know they're normal people. It's so strange. Like for us, it was more of a we're making a serious, factual, journalistic show about this incredible activist activism and the fight against overturning like you know century-old law, which so many countries in the world haven't even managed to do that, including and, Singapore. <laughs> yeah, including Singapore, and we can't sugarcoat that and make it palatable and make this oh so sexy and so fun come on let's do a you know lighthearted show about it no i can't i have to make this a serious strong hard hitting show and it's not going to be easy to listen to right it's it's going to take you need to understand nuances you need to understand and and this is not like you know there was one organization that stood up and said hey we are the LGBTQ organization in the country, and we will fight the government. That's not how it happened. It was just complete random at that time. But various different groups of people stood up and started their own little activism in different parts of the country, and it all came together. And someone went and filed a petition in the Supreme Court, and funds and time and people's efforts were mobilized around it. So. You, I can't make a you know easy to consume flippant show about it. So if if we have to go make hard hitting journalism, it's not going to be easy to consume. So so I'm not sitting and expecting like I don't think numbers were what I would judge either that or Mission Asaro by at all. Like I challenge people to find you know I, I think this is where being a musician really helps because as a musician and and I've seen my band. We go through two years and we write a song and we put it out, and someone listens to it for thirty seconds and says, "What is this rubbish?" And you know, and it's <laughs> it's it's an it's a subjective opinion. Yes. But and and you're entitled to that opinion, but I'm also entitled to to reject that opinion. So I don't I don't need to sit and cater to everyone's tastes. I I don't need to. I think the bar that we had for ourselves was five years from now, ten years from now. Will you still say I made that show? And I will one hundred percent stand behind every show that we made so far. So that that really was the measure for us. It it wasn't and true to that. If you look online or search for what people are saying about the show, there haven't been too many people who've hated it or had issues with it. So the people who actually and and the beauty of a small and niche uh, podcast audience is that only people who are interested are listening to it. <laughs> no one, no one's accidentally listening to a twelve episode documentary about the LGBTQ movement. If you've come till episode twelve, you're really interested in the subject. <laughs> I'm curious to know what do you think makes a good narrative storytelling podcast? I think uh, there's many aspects to it. I think there is since they make like five or six. Yeah. And your your record is pretty consistent, right? Like they are free, all good quality. So how do you, so what what makes you good, and how do you guys like you know keep to that standard? I think instinctively, you know when a story is a great story, and it it draws you in automatically. So some of the stories that we've been working on, it just I mean there's no parameters like oh it checks this box, it checks this box. We're not looking at it like that at all. Instinctively, if if a story when when you first hear about it. Uh, if it makes you feel something, it could be anger. It could be like in the case of three seven seven. The first anecdote I heard about it 
it made me angry and that's that's important if it made me angry it means it's significant something happens like the 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 story has something in it that can trigger that emotion so if you listen to that once you've experienced that i think your entire job becomes can you capture that and make everyone else listening to it experience it and then then your job as a producer becomes that so with 377 i think uh, sorry with mission isaro i i don't even think archana was intentional about it when she wrote her script but she used the word serendipity and audacity right which uh, and and those two words really became that show where there, there was such a moment in time where four people one is the prime minister of india one of one is india's greatest institutional builder one is among the best scientists in the world and and another person or many many actually other people just happened to converge and meet each other and discuss how to make india a space program so the, so that the the chance that that would happen and if any of them were born like you know 10 years later or 10 years earlier this this whole thing might not have happened if you if you if you sit and really over analyze it you you go into those loops with like you know if this guy was born 20 years later this whole thing would never have happened you <laughs> just think about it like that so so the overarching theme was serendipity and then audacity which is to say they had like there's pictures if you see in on on google if you google it where uh, they're carrying pieces of our rockets on the back of a bicycle and What? walking down the streets of yeah you you see a rocket cone being carried on like you look and look for it on google you'll see images of our scientists carrying because they had to find a vehicle which did not generate a spark because they're carrying rocket fuel and rocket components uh, to get assembled and the only things they found which would not spark are bullock carts and bicycles oh, no. and 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 that's what they took and went did it in and that's how they built the indian space mission that's, that's insane and it's yeah. like and nobody knew right it's like crazy dangerous to be like you know yeah. you were walking by this guy who is riding past you with a rocket yeah. <laughs> in his bicycle you'll be like <laughs> you'll never recognize it you'll be like oh what's that and look yeah, away and, and this guy is like and, carrying something that could potentially blow out the whole time <laughs> yeah that we can lead to the last question right so if sure. i say i'm a expiring podcaster or a small independent agency who wants to make a narrative storytelling podcast like you guys right what will your advice be i would say find a story that really moves you first something that you find really really compelling and like can you would you sit in a, at a dinner table with your friends or or, or around a coffee uh, table with your friends and narrate this show story and will they find it interesting like think about it from that point of view like could you have normal conversations with people who are have no interest in this topic who just come to hang out in a park but if if the topic was this would there be a healthy interest from everybody decide whether the story is has that and and then and every story is compelling there is no story that is just ah it's not compelling it's about how you tell it so and then find the angle that makes the story compelling and and then try to achieve it and everything else like the the music the sound effects all of that is secondary because that just embellishes the true hero is is the core of the story and then how you tell it that's very good advice <laughs> i would also recommend for every podcaster as well not just a new podcaster i guess being very focused having something that you really want to do something that drives you to motivates you so that you know so compelling that you have to tell the story is you need to yeah. get it off your system right because yeah. otherwise you'll go crazy no i mean you you just need to get it out and that become a force within you to tell the story and yeah and yeah thank you so much for coming you're very welcome coming here to join us today for spending time to talk to us where can we find you and your company on social media where can people listen to your podcast and what are your upcoming uh, projects as well so we have we're producing a show for the bbc that should uh, release later in this uh, year and a new platform that is coming to india 
We're producing a couple of shows potentially for them. We're uh, our new season of uh, Mahabharat, the podcast, which is the civics podcast I spoke about, uh, has released on Spotify. So that's on. We're producing five shows for Audible, which should also be out this year. And so right now we're in the thick of uh, producing many, many shows. I, I recently tied up with a, a cricket team called the Royal Challengers Bangalore, and we produced a podcast for them where we spoke to each of their team members and asked them how the IPL, which is the cricket biggest cricket tournament in the world, uh, which is played in India, how it how that changed their lives. And we're now doing a second season of the podcast with that cricket team. So I think in the next three months, you'll see us releasing a new podcast every month, pretty much from from there. Okay, so if you want to follow uh, Garuf, you know, yeah, you know look, what to look do. For, yeah, look at <laughs> just Google all things small. That's uh, the name of the company. We're on all platforms and all networks. We're not great with us. As well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're not great with social media because we're spending all our time making podcasts. <laughs> we need yeah, to... That's more important. <laughs> Getting the content out there. <laughs> yeah. So so we need to get much better with our social media. And, and that's one of the things we're aiming to do this year. And we are also very excited to announce that the Asia Podcast Awards will be back in 2022. Yay, so, there we go. Yeah, do keep a lookout. So do you have any... You know, why do you think that other podcasters should take part in not just Asia Podcast Awards, but other award shows as well? Yeah, I think anything to do to bring a new audience to content that you're making. And also these awards, I mean, even even though they're competition technically, what is interesting for me is to see how uh, it's a way for, for you to see also what other people in the world are doing and you know, where you stand in comparison with them and what your idea of storytelling is, is is that how it's working with them. Maybe even get some tips and tricks and listen to something that you could then implement in some show that you're making. Yes, and that's why yeah. we produce this episode, so that we can all learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I hope they, they live up to everyone's expectation. That's awesome. I'm very sure that. And that's all for this episode. Join us again next week. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook. Listen to Freelance Creative Exchange on Spotify, YouTube or wherever platforms you listen to podcasts on. 